Hey guys, co-host Karina here. Before we start today's very exciting episode of CritterCast, we just both agreed we wanted to take a moment to pause and address kind of everything that's going on in the world and do a little bit of what we can with our platform to make change in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. We have always been really dedicated to supporting other podcasters, particularly podcasters um, who are also women or non-binary and also podcasters of color. And this is a really important time to um, just really amplify those voices. So we're going to include um, an expanded promotional segment at the end of this podcast. So please stick around and listen where we're going to really focus on... um, sharing why we love a couple of particular podcasts that are created by um, Black and people of color. Woohoo! Without further ado, today's episode. It's Cassie and Karina and we're at it again, sharing cool facts about our animal friends. We make stupid jokes and we laugh a lot, but we also like to learn, so give us a shot. We'll talk about snails and their tweezer teeth, or gush about our love of manatees. We'll tell you why owls are so scary to us, and there's tons more critters that we'll discuss. We promise to make sure you'll have a blast, because you're listening to CritterCast. Welcome to CritterCast episode 57. I am your co-host, Karina. I'm your co-host, Cassie. And today, we are so excited to be joined by a guest host here on CritterCast, your podcast all about the wacky, weird, and wonderful world of animals, where we are neither experts um, nor, I don't know what else I was going to say there, but we're not experts here. We just love animals and we love learning more about them. And today, we're very happy to be joined by the host of another podcast. You guys heard us shout them out on the last episode, Your Brain on Facts. Um, Moxie, would you you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I too am an unaccredited animal enthusiast. Uh, I host a weekly show called Your Brain on Facts, your half hour of things you never knew you never knew, soon to be available in book form. Woohoo! Rockin'. That sounds so so fun. Um, We really enjoyed recording a little snippet for Moxie's show um, last week, which I'm sure will be appearing soon if it hasn't already. And so we're really happy to have her on the show today to talk about an animal that she's passionate about, which is just what we're all about here at CritterCast. Yes. We love talking about why we love animals and the weirder, the better. And this one, this one is truly weird in so many ways. And I love it. They don't, they don't follow the rules. They are really not following the animal kingdom social norms there, which is why they got like, they got the most space in the book out of all the animals. I wrote about. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. So we're talking today about spotted hyenas. Yay. <laughs> so I'm going to give y'all a little bit of background information about spotted hyenas and talk a little bit about why I think they're cool. But then I figured we'd leave a couple of the the most cool points to Moxie to share with us. Absolutely. And today I get to play the role of reacting, which is my favorite. <laughs> I love that we swap off. If, if you didn't know that, Moxie, we swap off who oh, yeah. is in charge of the bulk of the research. And then every other episode, one of us gets to just kind of hang back and just be have our minds blown. It's excellent. I love it. Good it deal. It's very fun. All right. We're going to tag team you this time. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are this... 
I've always liked hyenas. I've, I've always thought they were cool. I never really fell for the, the pop culture. Oh, these are conniving and evil, plotty, laughing little hyena creature monster beast. Um, and I have some theories. I have theories, Karina, about why this particular animal gets such a bad rap. You always have theories and they're I always do. A plus theories. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but so just in general, like, just right off the top of your head, what are some generic things that come to mind when you think of hyenas? Right. Well, I mean, I think I think of them as, you know, everyone always says they have this laugh. And I know that it's not yeah. exactly a laugh, but it's definitely a unique vocal sound that you don't hear always. Yeah. Um, and I always think about how, like, they're these weird, like, canine I want to say canines but also like are they (laughs) excellent question that's a good question yes that's one of the big questions um another thing for me that I've I guess I haven't really like I hadn't thought it specifically but I think I'd always had them grouped in a weird subcategory of predators because I wasn't sure if they were predators or scavengers. Um, and I knew that they they could hunt and they did hunt, but I wasn't sure if they were like really top apex predators. Right, because Lion King tells you wrong. Like yes. they really, they really lead you astray. Again, Disney is cheating and lying to right? really, really bad PR for the hyenas there. Just bad. Yeah. <laughs> they needed to hire a better uh PR marketer. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, they are predators. They're such impressive predators, in fact, because like humans, they think they are smart. Oh. Uh-huh. So just some basic facts about them. Number one, um, they are also known as the laughing hyena, and they are the only extant member of genus Crocuda. Crocuda? Crocata? However you want. I don't know the correct pronunciation either. <laughs> <laughs> they are omnivores, but for the most part, they're carnivorous. Their average lifespan is about 15 to 20 years, but in a captivity, they can live up to 25 years. You got to get that extra protection if you want to boost the lifespan. Heckin' yeah. How big do you think they are when you think about a hyena size, like relative to something? What are you thinking? I feel like they're bigger than I want to think they are. So like, fair. I, mm-hmm. I would say like, cause you know me, I'm an animal shelter worker. I'm a dog person. I spent all day yesterday live streaming dogs. I, <laughs> I would, I'd put them probably firmly in like German shepherd category. Yeah. You know, like a, like a solid, like 90 pound. Like they don't, they're, they're bigger than they look. Yes. Yeah, totally. They're, I think that's um, that's a really good approximation. I think they're bulkier than German Shepherds because mm-hmm. German Shepherds tend to be pretty lean. Unless they're fat. Oh, true. <laughs> well, even still, a female can weigh upwards of 180 pounds, which oh is more than gosh. a gray wolf. Yes. Yeah. But they have, totally must have a lot of muscle. Yeah, they, they are thick with two Cs. <laughs> <laughs> And they're not crazy tall. They can get up to about 60 inches, which is tall. That's, right? That's I'm 62 tall. inches tall, right? so that's sufficiently yes. big. Thank you. Right? That is quite, that's quite big. Now, is that from, um, is that from like ground to like flank or um, what, are the, what are the shoulders? Um, 
I believe that's the uh, length of their head to their tail. Okay. So like if they were stood up on two legs, that's, but still Mm -hmm. very long. Still very long. Um, And then they, their tail itself can be about 10 to 14 inches as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And they can stand anywhere between like a meter and a meter and a half tall. So that's a little over three to three and a half feet from from foot to top of ear. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Ew, that's so funny because when I think of hyenas, like I I know somewhere right? in me that I know they have tails, but I never think of them as having tails. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it's the way their back slopes yeah. that they look like a manx cat, and so you're just like, oh, there's nothing there. It just right. drops off. And it's yep. not like you usually walk around looking at hyenas like wagging their tails. <laughs> no, they're not lemurs. <laughs> they don't have a lot to wag about either. No. no Hyena life rough. is rough. <laughs> rough. Uh, <laughs> we love the puns here. There are four hyena species. Um, one of them has just been added as a species in the last 10 years. So that one is the Ardwolf, which I think we're going to have to look into at some other point because that's awesome. Mm. And then the other two are striped hyenas and brown hyenas. All right. All right. These, the spotted hyenas that we're talking about today, they are the largest hyena species. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you brought up one of the the main questions about hyenas. Mm -hmm. What are they? (laughs) Right. Explain yourself, hyenas. What are you? Are you a dogish thingish? Are you a catish thingish? A primateish thingish? Right. In addition to looking maybe sort of kind of ish wolfy, or or perhaps perhaps leopardy, they also have a complex social structure and live together in groups as big as a hundred members, which is definitely more primate territory. Right. What gives my friends? <laughs> it just, it's, there's, I think when we set out on our critter cast journey, you think like that classifying animals, you know, there's always going to be a couple that don't want to fit well into our classification classification system. But the more we do this show, the more I realize that really like does any animal fit well into the classification <laughs> system? Cause it feels like the answer is no. Um, I feel like you've hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> yes. So they are members of the suborder Philoformia, which is a classification that is used for cat-like carnivores. All right. So technically more cat than dog, which, yes. you know, I don't know that I agree with, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why they looked at that and said, that looks like a cat. <laughs> Right, like the coloring, maybe, but like everything else about that, really does not scream cat. No, no, I, I believe genetically they are more closely related to cats and to civets, which is interesting because civets. another odd little animal that defies mm. easy classification in traditional taxonomy. Yes, you know, yeah. you know who else is in the uh, Philoforma group? Who else? Ooh. The binturong, which is also called the bear cat, whose fur naturally smells like buttered popcorn. Ah, 
Wow. Well, there you go. Bonus fact. I'm Googling <laughs> pictures as each of you says these animals. And like, I agree. I would look at any of them and just be like, uh. What? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Alien? I guess yeah. if I have to call you something on earth, maybe kind of pretend cat. Right. <laughs> just just thro- throw a dart at the animal family tree and be like, all right, well, that's your, where you're going to go. Yes. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to figure out how to fit you in there. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> or, well, or somebody was just, just like, just put it, just put them here for now and we'll fix it later. And then, you know, nobody, so, nobody ever went back to fix it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh boy. So interesting. And they, like we said, they look kind of not really like many other things on earth. <laughs> right? They have a large, very clearly strong head, right? Mm-hmm. Like these guys are. These guys are tanks, but they are tanks that were better built than tanks. Because right. Tanks have like these the long, narrow parts that can break off. No, there is nothing long and narrow here. There is only solid and compact and strong and ready to like take down a lion if need be. Yeah. Yeah. I'd run from that thing. <laughs> oh, oh, heck yeah. Especially if it was laughing at me. Right. I'd take a moment to just be like, oh my God. And then I'd be like, oh my God. And I'd run. Okay. But also don't you really kind of want to pet one though? I feel like it would be deceivingly not soft. And then I would be sad. You know me, Probably. I don't like to touch things that aren't going to be soft. Yeah, yeah, they it, definitely it, look pretty coarse. Yes. Yeah, agreed. Um, so they've got that large head. They've got long, thick, muscular neck. And they have incredibly powerful jaws. Such powerful jaws that they have the strongest bite force of any mammal. I'm not surprised at all. And that Mm-mm. does make me understand why they might be genetically closer to cats. No lie, a True. cat came into our shelter yesterday that fractured someone's fingertip with a bite. And I was very impressed. I believe that. I, I got my hands badly mauled by a feral once. So yeah, I, I totally buy that. I think though that the hyena, and I'll have to double check my notes, might actually be the second strongest bite. I think that they actually Ooh. fall behind the leopard. I think the leopard is actually the biteiest of the oh. mammals. Well, I believe but, that. But either way, you don't want a hyena latching onto you. No. <laughs> and that particular fact came from a source that was from 2012. So, so did want to add the caveat that that's a little bit dated. So yeah. there might be more updated information if we've... And how do they even find this out? Do they like catch one and, and stick a bite sensor in its mouth and hope for the best? Right? Like, okay, just go for it, friend. Because as, as, as soon as that tranquilizer wears off, we're going to get our data. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, it's you... I'll trank them. You stand on each side and push its jaws together. Right? It's just actually a, um, a, a man in a bite suit. You know, like they, they're just like, okay, um, you have a very risky job, but you're going to get to see lots of cool animals. It's a pretty thick bite suit. Man, this internship is bullcrap. <laughs> it would be an internship, an unpaid internship. Oh, yeah, it would. Um for our dear listeners, if there is anyone out there who has done any work on actual field work of large mammals in sub-Saharan Africa, please contact us and tell us how do you test the bite force of a mammal. <laughs> yes, please. We need to know. We have inquiring minds and they will not be quieted without this information. Because yeah, the other day I was researching the harpy eagle, which is oh. an amazing bird. And I was like, how does the entire... 
breadth of the internet not contain this bird's bite strength? Like we know the bite strength of every animal on the planet, it seems like. Why can't I find this information? (laughs) Well, especially because harpy eagles are very like curious and are willing to let people approach them. So it seems like they'd be an easier animal to test the bite strength of. It sounds like that would be an easier animal to test the bite strength of accidentally. Ah, uh, true. Just like, yeah, feels like it ranks somewhere between. That's actually how they do it, and it's just yeah. like just a, that, well, that poor unpaid intern just has to say, mm, "I'm going to place this," and they just like have pictures on a board, and they're like yeah. lining them up. That's actually not too far from the way insect bites are ranked in an in insect stings. There is the Schmidt Pain Index. I don't know if you've ever seen the guy on, on YouTube, Coyote Peterson or something. Is no. Oh yeah. Who uh-huh. lets himself be stung by just HR Geiger looking insects. Oh, and, no. but he's not even the first guy to do it. So this, this Schmidt fellow let himself be, be bitten and stung by all kinds of different insects. And he gave it a one to four point rating. <laughs> and then these beautiful florid descriptions that actually sound more like he's pretentiously rating a wine than describing <laughs> having been bitten by a bullet ant. Oh my you God. Know. Wow. The, so, some of them are shorter than others. One, I think is two sentences and the second sentence is lie down and scream. Oh, oh. my God. You're like, geez, that's descriptive, right? <laughs> well, I mean, he started small. He started with things like sweat bees, you know, like a tiny ember has singed a single hair on your arm, oh. you know, <laughs> then all the way up to the tarantula hawk wasp or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. you no, thank well, you he does it so we it. don't have to. <laughs> yes. <There> you go. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Woof. Wow. So the, um, the jaw is not the only odd slash impressive thing in a hyena, a spotted hyena in particular. They're, you mentioned earlier, they have a sloping profile and that's because their front legs are longer than its back, which um, it's back legs, sorry, which gives them kind of a, an odd posture. And it means that they don't have a ton of leaping force, but they do have four toes with large non-retractable claws. So I leave you to guess what those long front legs are for. I know what they're for. <laughs> shredding things. Oh, oh yeah, my they God. are. <laughs> All the shredding, especially if you can't retract those claws. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. So guess what its predators are? Big cats? Anything brave enough. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. And that is not me. <laughs> Lions and humans are its only true predators. That would make total sense. Mm -hmm. And lions are not going to generally go after hyenas because hyenas, they smart. That whole complex social structure, that keeps them safe. No lion wants to take on multiple hyenas. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Lions may be many things, but they are not dumb. No, their mamas didn't raise any dummies. (laughs) Nope. Speaking of mamas, <laughs> segway. <laughs> we love them. <laughs> the females are bigger than the males. Not not a ton bigger. Um, on average, they run about ten percent to at the most thirty percent bigger. But that's only in physical size. In in pure presence, in strength of character and charisma, <laughs> I believe outshine any other species on earth. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a matriarchal society, which, oh my gosh. All right. So it looks like there's been a lot of research done on this. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. There is conflicting information all over the place. And I think some of that comes down to um, human assumptions about matriarchal societies and mm. complex social structure. I think some of it comes down to the fact that I'm using um, mostly credible, accessible sources. So I'm not looking at like journal articles. So some of the ways that the scientific data is being presented to us lay folks, I think is perhaps maybe a little oversimplifying. So Mm. some people are interpreting it in slightly different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, there's just, there's a lot going on, but there's this cool blog that, um, that Harvard university runs. That's a science in the news blog. And they have a fantastic post about hyena social structures. Um, And that seemed to me to be pretty, pretty good at drawing together some, some of the conflicting information and and looking a little bit deeper to see what might be going on. So a lot of my information comes from that source here. Rockstar. (laughs) I just have to give that caveat because yeah, there's a lot out there about this and it does not all agree. Right. Yeah. Because there is another reason why it's difficult for them to study the hierarchy as relative to gender. And it's like one of the main points in what I'm going to talk about. Ooh, yes. Right. (laughs) Yes. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but I believe part of that has to do with the fact that sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between the males and the females. Even if they have an anesthetized one in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh no. Oh my goodness. What are we in for? (laughs) Oh, buckle up. <laughs> so and to our to our gentle listener, if you're listening with your children and haven't yet had the talk, <laughs> well, you might just want to skip when you hear my voice. <laughs> <laughs> so the the social structure part, I'm going to keep it pretty short so we can get to the the point that we really all want to learn more about, which is what Mox is going to tell us about. The so- social structure, it's hierarchical, it's matriarchal, and my my closest explanation here is going to be, y'all have seen the, the movie Mean Girls, yeah? I, I've seen enough memes based on Mean Girls that I have a general impression of it, yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Karina, are you familiar yeah. with Mean Girls? Of course. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, mean Girls was actually a nature documentary. Like, they tried to demonstrate that in the movie and in the musical, but they got it a little bit confused because they were just talking about, like, large predators in general in Africa. But no, they were specifically talking about hyenas. <laughs> hyenas in particular. It is based on spotted hyena social structure. That has just blown my mind. I need a minute to readjust my worldview. <laughs> The okay, honestly, like spotted hyena social structure is all about status, and it's not just perceived status, it's also inherited status, and it's matriarchal because some of it is handed down through generations. The females, in addition to being stronger and more aggressive, have much, much stronger social bonds than the males, which is because the males disperse after they um, 
after they've been weaned, they go and they join a different pack group, social clan. Um, and so they, they have to kind of restart their relationships from the ground up. Whereas the females stay in the same clan that they've been in their entire lives and the same clan that their mother and their grandmother has been in. So they are inheriting all of either the good or the bad things that their grandmother and mother did. Um, so they're inheriting that part of the social structure. And also any of their own relationships will help them to either move up or move down in the, in the pack. Wild. Right? Just, just, oh, mind-boggling. Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> I'm, you know, like, it's, I think I need more. I think I need more before I can, like, wrap my head around it. Okay, okay. So even the lowest-ranking female in the pack structure is going to be ranked higher than any male. Go, girl. <laughs> and, of course, partly that's because of the fact that she has already the social uh, bonds to other hyenas. Mm -hmm. Hyenas are so strongly bonded and everything that they do relies on, on social bonding, you know, not coming into the pack brand new and not having any bonds and having to like build up relationships from the get go. You're like the catty heron, (laughs) the new girl (laughs) in the lunchroom being like, um, anyone want to share their table with me? And everyone is like, Literally, no, go away. Except, <laughs> here's the thing. This catty heron is male and can help diversify the, ma- the mating pool. So mm. that's a little bit helpful. Right. Eventually, somebody's got to be like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I guess. <laughs> yep. But here's the thing. If Regina George decides that you are a prime specimen of delicious hyena male and Regina... George thinks, yes, I would like those genes to diversify my gene pool and for my children that inherit my rank to, um, to be able to have some of your strength or your cunning or hunting ability, et cetera, et cetera. Um, ain't nobody else going to be able to mess with that. Ah. Yes. So, Caddy, you better just step back from Aaron Daniels because Regina George has laid claim. Is it Daniel? Is that his last? No, it's not important. Sorry. <laughs> It doesn't matter. It's not it was all Greek to totally me. Out of memory, I could be making it up. I, I don't know. <laughs> so fun. anyway, yeah. So so males will get their their social structure from which females um, decide that they're good enough to mate with. Oh, so they mm-hmm. get to kind of slip in, but like when push comes to shove, we know the females are still technically above them. They're like a trophy husband. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the males even rank below the cubs. Yes. So it's like the, the females, all the babies, and then the males. Wow. Yep. yep. And there is, of course, like some political maneuvering between the females too. So the lower ranking females in the, um, in the pack will not have their babies in the pack um, dens or pack watering pools or, or any place where the pack is 
mostly congregated because they want those babies to survive and they don't quite trust the other females. So they're going to go off on their own for the first about two weeks to give birth and make sure their babies are strong enough to, you know, stand on their own a little bit before they bring them back to the rest of the pack. But the, um, the hyena females that are higher up in the pack will just go ahead and give birth in the like more communal areas. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then once the, once the cubs are about two to four weeks old, um, then they're accepted into the pack and the entire pack shares parenting duties. Go, you do you, you know? I mean, there's so many animals that, that have to do that. And us humans are like, you're on your own. Sorry. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it, it takes a village. It does take a village. Um, sometimes a village that has like the purge. <laughs> the cubs are born with some teeth and their eyes are pretty close to open and open fully very quickly. Uh, and they will often fight over who gets to nurse first. And sometimes they will keep the, the stronger cub will keep the weaker cub away from access to mama. And so the weaker cub will die. Oh, I mean, true survival of the fittest, of, of the fittest, but um, yeah, sad to think about. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's really very much like high school politics, where <laughs> you know, it's sometimes everybody's in it together, and you got to stand up for your friends and your friend pack. But other times, like there's a lot of maneuvering within that friend pack. I mean, the, if, especially when we're thinking about, like, this isn't a group of 10 to 20 individuals. It's no. It's 100 animals. It's so. an actual village of them, yeah. Right, yes. right. It's, you know, this is more than some human cities have, well, townships and... Yeah, <laughs> totally. And they take, they take a while to mature, too, so they really have time to, to build up those pack bonds as cubs. Um, they nurse for... They nurse for over a year and they only subsist on their mother's milk for about six months too. So, okay. right. Which um, on the one hand means that they're really benefiting from the shared parenting duties mm-hmm. also means that, you know, these, these cubs have time to really build those strong connections to all the different members of their family and get kicked aside and be told like, uh, no, you got to wait for someone else. (laughs) Right. Not there. Not Yeah. And they're considered fully mature at around two years old and ready to leave their mamas. If they're going to leave. Right. They don't leave. They just stay. And just keep, just keep on growing. Yeah. They just keep on keeping on. (laughs) Yep. A year is a long time to nurse. <laughs> I mean, I, I used to raise goats and they, when I did leave the kids with them, they'd wean them after between three and six months. And I know uh, hooded seals, their milk is, is so fatty. It's uh, in consistency closer to margarine because they have to get calories into the seal pups. They Makes only sense. nurse them for a week or two during what? which the pups double in weight. Whoa. Wow. Wild. 
That's intense. But I bet, but, but so then what you were saying, just to clarify, Cassie, is that Mm -hmm. they only are exclusively drinking milk for the first six months. Yes. And then they start to learn to hunt, but they just continue to kind of socially, very slowly wean over the next six plus months. Yeah. So think about it like a human baby, right? Yeah. About, you know, six, eight-ish months, you can start introducing um, like baby food and not just milk, right? Right. Um, but they still need to get the particular proteins and the um, the immunization and the bonding that all comes from nursing if they're able to nurse, of course. This, right. These are animals and not humans. So the, the politics are very different. Please don't. Mm-hmm. Oof, let's not go. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yeah, so... That's, I have some more interesting facts, but I feel like this is the perfect point to, to give parents a little heads up that we might talk, be talking about things that are a little sophisticated for um, children who, if you don't want to have them asking um, awkward questions, this might be a really good time to fast forward a little bit. Right. Right. I mean, this is all like this. I, I always hate to say like, it's too mature for kids because right. depending on your kid and depending on your approach, like this is real life. This is, yep. is science. It's real fact. Um, but you know, just depends on what kind of conversations you want to have with your exactly. kids today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nature does not care about human social construction and norm. No, no, it really doesn't. <laughs> So, so listener you. discretion is advised. <laughs> exactly. So basically just keep hitting skip 30 until you no longer hear my voice. Because <laughs> this is where the rubber meets the road. And as, as I alluded to, one of the reasons that it can be difficult to determine what the social order of a hyena pack really is, is it's really hard to tell males and females apart. The reason for that is female hyenas have a pseudo penis, which what is now? a pseudo penis, <laughs> meaning mostly like a penis, but not actually a penis. Yep. See, if the parents hadn't made up their mind yet, they've definitely made it up by now. Yep. Oh boy. <laughs> and and the female pseudo penis can actually be bigger than the penises of the male, and they even have like a little false scrotum. So oh it can be difficult really? for research. Yeah. So I, I, I read in one of the articles in my research that they had uh, an animal, a net, they had a hyena anesthetized and they still were not a hundred percent certain if it was <laughs> a male or a female. So, I mean, try determining that at a glance, you know, for, through a, a telephoto lens, you know, you just, it's 50, 50 shot if that's a, a male or a female. Right. Oh, yeah. It, and that is all to do with the uh, the male sex hormone uh, androgen, uh-huh. because the higher ranking females actually not deliberately but just naturally give their fetal pups higher levels of androgen in the later stages of pregnancy compared to the lower ranking females. Their bodies don't produce as much androgen uh, for the pups, so it effectively passes on mom's rank by making a, a larger, more aggressive female with a larger pseudopenis. So oh. aggressiveness and muscle mass are kind of the, the order of the day for wow. hyenas. Wow. And so that extra androgen means a more aggressive 
uh, female offspring, more likely that they are going to reproduce and pass your genes on. There is, of course, with everything in life, a price to pay, and that is that it has a negative effect on their ovaries, making it difficult for them to conceive, which kind of sounds like it balances out the, the benefit to your genetic propagation, but hey, I'm huh. not here to judge. <laughs> but, right? But, You're just like, if, if, if eventually you get so aggressive and so large that you can't reproduce, something's got to give. Yeah, but I think the, the, those ones, then that line dies out and someone who hasn't quite maxed out on the protein powder uh, <laughs> is the one that gets to breed. Not quite a swole. Not, not quite a swole, just thick, not swole. <laughs> Moderation in all things. That's right. The, but the female spotted hyena's pseudopenis is actually a clitoris. It's not entirely analogous to a human clitoris. For one thing, ours aren't a foot and a half long. Oh my uh, goodness. Good, good thing for it. But our underwear would be very awkward. Um, <laughs> and it's almost indistinguishable from the, the male's actual penis. The real big difference between a spotted hyena clitoris and a human clitoris, theirs also contains their birth canal. What? Yeah. Oh. Yes. Uh. <laughs> this is why I never get tired of learning about or talking about spotted hyenas, because this is just like God ripped a fat bong hit and said, sure. Uh-huh. Let's see what happens. Let's take half of a dog and then like half of half of a warthog, smash those together and give the females penises too. This will be funny. Let's watch. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so uh, a, a female spotted hyena will only go into estrus or heat for about three days. And as far as humans can tell, there are no outward signs of it. Of course, we hardly know what we're talking about when we're looking at spotted hyenas anyway. So it might be very obvious to them. It's a tricky bit of business, though, because you essentially like have to telescope fire hoses to make it happen. Do what? Well, the male has to get his actual penis inside of the female's partially retracted pseudopenis from behind. Okay. So he's got to oh. get it like going up and back. Uh-huh. And... Yeah, it's it's difficult, and she will she loses patience very quickly if well, he can't fair. do it. So so he's got like one crack at this, and you know no opportunity to practice ahead of time. And you know if he doesn't get it right in the first two minutes, she's probably going to tear a piece out of him. So I'm <sighs> yeah, just like that. <laughs> I I want to if I can share my screen for a, a hot moment with you guys because there um is an an adorable cartoon that I think accurately tries to describe this phenomenon. I will I am anxious to see this on Tenderhooks. <laughs> let me um I I don't think I have screen sharing permission. Yeah, but let me just Changing it to give you screen sharing. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. That's so nice. I know. And then before we log out, can you show me the kitten? <laughs> Absolutely. Because I want to see the kitten. <laughs> we will. Okay, here we go. I'm going to share it with you guys. Oh, you minute, yes, from Minute Earth. There you go. You're <laughs> yes, just like, oh, I know it well. <laughs> <laughs> I 
like the baby's face. <laughs> it's just like, I don't and know. because Minute Earth is so good at what they do, they've also included that one of the few ways to tell the difference between a penis and a pseudo penis is a subtle difference in the shape of the tip. That the right? female is more blunt. Look yeah, at they that. do they do good work over at Minute Minute Earth and Minute Physics. I like the battle scarred male. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's about as good as it's going to get for him. <laughs> really, <laughs> they don't—they have a real hard time of it, uh, male hyenas. Ugh. Ugh. Well, I'm glad I—I'm glad that it was that it was um, very accurate. But you know, there you go. Yeah. So I'm—I'm uh, I'm imagining hyena sex ed classes with you know the the sex ed teacher, probably the gym teacher, up at the front, and the little hyena cubs sitting around and. Um, and posters, anatomy posters and descriptions, and all of the hyena cubs just going, what now? <laughs> that is adorable and sounds like an anime that needs to happen. And I don't know if you saw um, Beastars on Netflix, but this is just going to ruin every memory I have of that show. They're, they're amp- anthropomorphic animals in high school. Oh, yep. And if there wasn't a hyena, I'm going to just invent a hyena and start writing some fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> this must happen. No, we don't want me writing any more fanfic. <laughs> I wrote a lot back in the day that it does not need to happen again. <laughs> it was all awful. You ever, you ever like find something you wrote like 10, 20 years ago and you're just like, oh God. Oh, oh never. No. <laughs> never. That never happens to me. Where did I think this was a good <laughs> phrase? Right. <laughs> I, and I bet I was really proud of myself when I wrote that. Must have thought I was Ernest Hemingway that afternoon. But anyway, <laughs> off of my personal failures and onto the difficult life of the hyena. While the males do have it pretty rough, even in the process of mating, which should be like your one day off of a difficult life, it's not all wine and roses for the female, because as I mentioned, that pseudopenis is the birth canal she has to give birth through it. So she has to pass a couple of cubs who weigh uh, about two pounds each down this foot and a half long pseudopenis. And it's, it's not at all tragically, unco- it's not at all uncommon for the cubs to become trapped and die. Oh, girl, and no. Yeah, it, it's, it's very sad. And whether that happens or not, mama is going to experience a significant amount of tearing. And so that no. decreases, decreases their chances of survival. I mean, if you're trying to squeeze a, a grapefruit down a garden hose, there are going to be some consequences. Oh, God. Nature, what have you done to these poor, poor mamas? Well, I had my theory about the thought process behind it. But... So, yeah, between the bleeding, the infection, the complications, the maternal mortality rate in spotted hyenas is actually about 60%. Oh, no. 60%? Yeah. So slightly more than half will Ugh. probably die giving birth at some point. Oh, that's so sad. But it does get a little bit better for the ones who make it because the scar tissue actually stretches more than the original tissue does. So if you make it through that first delivery... It'll probably be easier going forward. But one th- one thing to consider, while they're given kind of stripy coats, as far as I remember, or maybe they spotted, I don't know. I haven't seen The Lion King in, in 20 years. <laughs> but the hyenas are definitely shown laughing. So 
put the information I've just provided you with. Now combine that with the hyenas in The Lion King. Right. Because they are laughing hyenas, which means they are spotted hyenas, which right. just casts Whoopi Goldberg's character in a whole different light. Oh, Oh my. Poor, poor. Yeah, I can see why she's been pushed to her breaking point. So that is my dissertation on the pseudo penis of the uh-huh. African spotted hyena. Right? I just Googled a picture to, to remind myself, and they do um, they do have spots in the cartoon. So they were spotted, not, okay. Yeah, but not definitely not to the level of like actual hyena coloring. Like, not good. And also just want to point out, I know it's a Disney film, but there's no attempt at any genital area in these cartoons whatsoever. Actually, it doesn't even very clearly look like they have any butthole. So I'm assuming these hyenas in Lion King don't even poop. (laughs) If you watch watch Zootopia, there's one scene where they go to like a yoga retreat or something and all of the animals are are doing like downward facing dog. So Mm -hmm. you're looking at their butts and there's Mm -hmm. not an anus to be seen. Oh my goodness. Zero anus. Come on, Disney. We all have butts. Like... What is this? Yeah, Everybody Poops was a New York Times bestseller. That's right. <laughs> For a reason. <laughs> Ridiculous. But but yeah, you know, definitely not not uh, anatomically correct in Lion King. Um, but that is just some seriously strange stuff. You want a, a Disney bonus fact that uh, tangentially relates to this very loosely? Of course we do. Okay. It used to be in the Disney parks that the cast members who were going to be in the the big oversized costumes had to wear communal underwear, which they said they would clean in between shifts, but people were still getting rashes and crabs. No, thank you. I have like a whole page of bullet points of, of like the dark stories behind the Disney empire that I'm just too afraid to make an episode out of. Damn mouse. (laughs) Yeah, they will come for you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh boy. Wow. Okay. Karina, how are you feeling? You know, I, um, I'm over here just with my mind, not, not even blown it just kind of like slowly disintegrated piece by piece Uh um I didn't have much of a brain to start with today but it's definitely (laughs) mostly gone um I I don't in a way you know most critter cast episodes even the weird facts make us you know they, they make us find these animals a little bit more endearing and while I totally like feel for their struggle. I'm not sure that I love hyenas more now than I did when we started. <laughs> it's a little bit hard <laughs> to uh, to really just kind of see that as like an adorable animal, which is usually how I connect with animals because they are very hardcore. So I feel like I'm going to have a healthy respect for hyenas but I, I stand firmly by my previous statement that if I ever saw one, I would probably run or hide probably more accurately because I know they could run faster than me because I think any animal could run faster than me. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I would just say my, my final words right then and there. <laughs> I mean, they can digest 
uh, bone, hair, and nails. So, like, literally completely. You would just be gone off the face of the earth and no one would ever know. Yeah. They they cannot digest horn, but they will eat it anyway. Horn? Yes, like animal horns. Yeah. I thought you said corn for some reason. And I was like, what a strange thing. It's hard to digest. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what a strange thing to find in Africa and then eat anyway. (laughs) Well, I mean, corn is just an overbred grass, so true. Something yeah. something similar to corn could be out there for sure. <laughs> yeah, too maybe, bad I maybe don't they're have raiding any horns, farms, you know. So I wouldn't. There would be none of me left. But if I ever do get eaten by a hyena, I want that to be my legacy. Like I want someone to know that. <laughs> so I'm just gonna carry this metaphor through to the end because I can and it still works, okay? I feel about hyenas now more than ever, exactly how I feel about Regina George from Mean Girls, which is, she is, they are just amazing. They could get smacked by a bus and live to tell the tale. You Oh, you easily. Help but admire and, and love, but also deeply fear and be astounded by hyenas, just like Regina George. All right. All right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I support your, I support your metaphor. I don't know I, that I, I agree with it 10,000%, but I support your commitment to it. I know like three lines from that movie and I don't know any of the characters' names. So uh, it sounds like it. It scans. So. <laughs> uh, if it Make helps at mean. all, yeah. If it helps at all, Regina George is the the mean girl, the like played by Rachel McAdams. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I know. I know. You can't sit with us on Wednesdays. We wear pink and stop trying to make fetch happen it's not going to happen that is yeah. my knowledge of the film and it's i think that's really all you need like yeah. just quippy snappy one-liners that's basically the whole movie well and get have... losers we're going shopping yes. yes okay so maybe four <laughs> that's why i do well at movie trivia even if i haven't seen the movie i know the four things you need to know about any given movie <laughs> there you go don't waste your time on hours of cinema you don't need it <laughs> oh my goodness do you know there are only three movies opening in theaters this july no yeah that's that was just to actually have a number put to it like i knew it wasn't going to be good but there's there's one that might so i mean a a maximum of four movies coming out in theaters in the entire month of july oh that's just insanity ouch any anything good (laughs) mulan oh yes which, which I think people need to view as entirely independent of the cartoon. It's just like, it's sure. a different Mulan movie that happens to be made by the same company. Well, that's the thing. Like when, when Disney started these live action, like quote unquote remates, they started with Cinderella, which was a different movie from the original. Like they kept a small handful of, of songs here and there, but like, it wasn't the same movie. It wasn't the same story. It wasn't a shot-for-shot shot remake, and it was lovely. And it was Is that one of the my favorites. Brandy? Is that the Brandy one? No, they um, they did one with um, oh gosh, was it Lily James? Or Lily James. Lily yeah. James. Yeah, Lily in James. 2015, and uh, and with uh, the guy from Game of Thrones. What's his name? Richard. Madden. There are a lot of guys on Game of yeah. Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> Richard Madden. That's right. Um, 
but yeah, and it was great. And then and then they decided they were going to just remake a bunch of the movies and just do them shot for shot for some reason, which didn't like, why are you remaking it? Didn't really make any sense. So I'm psyched that they want to, they want to try something new and retell Mulan in a way that honors the true story a little bit more. I mean, I know it's not going to be accurate still, but. Yeah. Well, she's, she's like a a Robin Hood type or King Arthur type figure where there is some history, but so much legend that you'll never be able to pick it apart and, and tease it apart and find out, you know, figure out how much of it was accurate. I can tell you that the, historically speaking, the cartoon version was not accurate because they combined historical events from like a thousand year span. (laughs) So I am, I am hoping they'll, they'll pick like one period in history to work with on this one. (laughs) They're just like, it's vaguely Chinese. So there (laughs) you go. They actually, uh, movie studios make a lot of big decisions uh, and changes to movies so that they can be shown in China because only a few Western films can be shown in China. Uh, and you want to be one of those that small number that gets picked, which is why there is no Mushu in the live action, apart from the fact that I think that a CGI dragon would diminish it. Uh, Chinese viewers really didn't like Mushu. Yeah, of that's course fair. <laughs> like, I mean, we all love him, but also like that's a cartoon and this is just a different movie. I just And a slightly racist cartoon too. Yeah, yes. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> I got to I got to jump in here and just say that if you um if you feel like you would like to know more about the idea of Fa Mulan you should 100% go read one of my favorite books which is Woman Warrior by Maxine Hong Kingston. Right. I'm making a note of that. It's <laughs> fabulous and it's a really interesting it'll give you kind of some historical information about the legend of Fa Mulan but it also kind of brings it up to um to our society and like what's going on and how these legends and stories continue to um, influence women who've been influenced by them generationally for hundreds of years. Have you ever seen Rejected Princesses? No. Oh, okay. Set aside the rest of your day. Uh, Go to, go to rejectedprincesses.com. There's this uh, amazing artist who does illustrations and writes the story of women who would never be in Disney movies either because there are are some outright baddies in there, but just women whose stories are just too badass. And a lot of them because they're people of color and Disney can't be asked. Um, But yeah, rejectedprincesses.com. And he has a book that um, I have not gotten my hands on yet, but he made one about um, mothers throughout history that I got my mom oh. for Mother's Day. So it was nice. both both literal mothers uh, and, and like the mothers of certain movements. And yeah, rejectedprincesses.com's great website. Awesome. Um, I've got it on my computer ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Rocking. Thoroughly enjoyable. <laughs> so I, I do have some more information about Spotted Hyenas, but honestly, I feel like we understand them now. I feel right. like we have... We have really dug deep into spotted hyena id, and we have um, we have acknowledged their superiority. And anything else that I could add would just be additional bits of unnecessary icing that would dull the rest of the taste of the 
hyena cake. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't no, put that. Cake. Don't put that thick, sugary stuff on there. Like I'm not looking for one um, of those heart attack sugar. cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I just started a diet this morning, and I'm already dying. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> not good, not good. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness, this. You guys, this has been a very enjoyable episode. I mean, yes, did things get a little weird? Did things get potentially a little frightening? And definitely <laughs> very, um, very nitty gritty in some uh, some anatomy. Yes, but that's what makes a great CritterCast episode. And and I just feel like I'm so grateful that we were able to have Moxie on the show this episode and just kind of change things up a little bit. Yes. Thank I'm you. I'm very so grateful. Much. Sorry, but didn't mean to talk over you. Uh, I'm very grateful to have been here and to get an opportunity to talk about this because there are very few social situations in which I can drop <laughs> the bonus fact of the spotted hyena pseudo penis. Right. And and have it just be like the highlight of the conversation. <laughs> no, I've I've on many occasions dropped in an unsolicited bonus fact just to have people look at me like what is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, we're we're familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, we feel it on so many levels. We really tried in our first in our first few episodes last year, we really tried to like pick one weird fact and make it like a trending hashtag. Like we have a t-shirt with some of our favorite, like strange, uncomfortable facts on it. And it just didn't catch on. We just like, nobody else really had the same appreciation. Is, is that still available though? Um, yes, <laughs> on our, on our red bubble. It's what is it? Tweezer teeth, tampon eyes and... Judas Llama. That's it. That's it. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. I am enamored already. Oh, <laughs> we're so glad. This also sound like really cool band names. Right? Oh, yes. <laughs> what have like tampon eyes? We really pushed that one so hard. Because <laughs> it's so crazy. Owls. Owls have tampon eyes. Really do. And that's that's definitely a, a girls punk band. Right? My, oh, yeah. my, my band name I've always got in the back of my head is uh, Coelacanth Death Cult. All right. I don't know how I came across that phrase, but it... Of all the things I've forgotten, and I've forgotten a lot of stuff over the years. I was struck by lightning about a decade ago. Oh uh, I've just never forgotten the, forgotten the phrase coelacanth death, death cult. Coelacanth, of course, is a, a fish that we thought had been extinct for thousands of years until a, a fisherman just happened to catch one. Brilliant. Fish are wild. <laughs> They're they so can be. Wild. Oh, <laughs> bring me back for the angler fish episode. I have a few <laughs> things to tell you about the angler fish and their bizarre mating. Oh my god! And the Boy. and the green spoon worm and yeah, <laughs> lots lots of fun facts. We oh can definitely do that. <laughs> the animal mating chapter of of the Your Brain on Facts book was one of my favorites to do. <laughs> That's fabulous. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about your your book that is, um, is it out right now? Is it available at this very moment or do they have to wait a little while? Well, it is available for pre-order as of the day we are recording this. It will be coming out in a a little more than a week uh, after this recording, though I don't know when this will be airing. Tomorrow. Well, good. Okay, yeah. great. So nice yes, it is here. It is available for pre-order. Uh, I recommend first contact your local bookseller safely, of course. Yes. Um, they need your love now more than ever. It is available on Amazon, but it's also available on bookshop.org. 
which is like a, a central clearinghouse to order from indie bookstores. And cool. and this is against my own self-interest here. It's like a dollar cheaper over there. Hey. So start with your local failingthatbookshop.org. And if you have to, uh, you can look it up on Amazon or go to yourbrainonfacts.com slash book, which will port you right over there. Oh. That is so awesome. Congratulations, a book coming out. That's such a huge accomplishment. It is is pretty sweet. It is pretty sweet. Just, I got my my box of advanced copies and just like, I wrote a book. Oh, that's so (laughs) awesome. That's wonderful. And where can listeners find you on social media? Well, once they have been quite certain that they have listened to every episode of CritterCast, including the back catalog, <laughs> uh, they can search on the same app they're using for this show to look for Your Brain on Facts or just go to yourbrainonfacts.com. Uh, over on the social meds, Twitter and fi- uh, excuse me, Instagram and Facebook are Your Brain on Facts and Twitter is Brain on Facts Pod because God forbid Twitter give us enough letters. Right. <laughs> we have the yeah. same problem. <laughs> But, you know, do what you can. That's awesome. And we hope that our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, then you're really, really going to love Moxie's show as well. We have very, I think we probably cater to a very similar group of people. It's just that you'll get lots of animal-focused content on our show and then hop on over to Your Brain on Facts and get a, a diverse variety of content if you ever for some unforsaken reason, feel like you've had too much animal content, which I don't know how that would be possible, but you know, (laughs) diversity is great. Yes. (laughs) I mean, you know, I do talk about non-animal things like uh, the history of nursing, the origin of the Vulcan salute, the theft of Canada's strategic maple syrup reserve. So, you know, just a little variety. I've heard about that, but I... Shocking. Yeah, I've heard about that, but I had never heard the details of it. And it's something I would love to learn more about, the maple syrup theft. Yeah, so first you have to reconcile with the idea that Canada has a strategic maple syrup (laughs) reserve. Right. And then you have, and then the idea that someone went in over the course of many visits and stole, I think it was a couple million dollars worth of, like siphoned off a couple million dollars worth of maple syrup it wasn't just one guy it was it was like an, an oceans 11 team of guys that is appalling how dare they it's hilarious is what it is <laughs> i i find it absolutely hilarious oh my goodness yeah thank you so much moxie it was so so delightful to have you on and to learn <laughs> all of these mind-blowing facts yeah it can be a lot to take in but thank yep. you thank you again so much for having me okay so Fun episode, great time. And now we want to, you know, turn things just in a slightly different but equally amazing direction. Instead of doing our one promo like we told you guys about in the beginning of the episode, we wanted to feature a couple of our of our favorite podcasts, some of whom have been featured on the show before, some of whom have not. And these are just these are voices of people of color, of black people, of independent creators that we just want you guys to know and love as much as we do. So yeah, absolutely. So the two that we're going with today that we really wanted to promote um, is one of our longtime favorite podcast friends, Book of Lies. We love Book of Lies. They're such a fun podcast. They do such great social media work. They're kind of a foundation of the the um, podcast world for ladies and non-binary folks who podcast. And so we really want to 
share again. We've shared them before, but they're awesome. And y'all should go and listen to them again. So they are two sisters who talk about frauds, fakes, and phonies who lie, lie, lie. So go check them out. We'll include their podcast uh, promotion in just a second. They're fabulous. Follow them across all of their social media. They're social media whizzes and you will not regret it. Listen to their podcast, follow them on social media, tell them how awesome they are. Our next podcast that we want to focus is a newer podcast. We've, we figured we'd go with um, an old friend and a new friend that we are excited to welcome into the podcasting world. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this one. It, it's the Roots of the Science podcast. So this, um, this podcast focuses on interviewing various Africans across the globe involved in the STEM fields. The purpose of the podcast is to highlight Africans who are in the STEM field and give them the opportunity to tell their stories about their research and their projects. They hope that by bringing their um, voices into the mainstream, they get to inspire others to get into STEM and to showcase the variety of STEM opportunities available. I love this. There's been a lot of movements on um, on Twitter, especially, of course, because it's a great platform for it, to um, raise awareness about people of color and Black people in um, in nature fields in particular, but in the STEM fields in general, mm-hmm. been sharing and tweeting and, and loving all of the content about people of color and black people who work, um, in this field, because it's definitely something that gets overlooked very much and can lead to kids feeling like they're not allowed to be part of a passion, um, or a career that they might be really interested in because they don't see themselves represented mm-hmm. in fields. So go and check out the Roots of the Science podcast. Listen to some of these amazing researchers and um, and people who are doing fantastic work. Follow the Root of the Science on all social media and tell them how great they are. I am Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandi Fleeks. And we host Book Book of Lies, the the podcast. podcast. So we talk about crooks and criminals... Liars and fraudsters. Um, fakers, phonies, and people that scam. And those that steal your grandma's money. Yeah, yeah. Save her from her getting her, her money stolen. Anyway, mm-hmm. so um, we release a new episode every Tuesday. Look for us on Tuesday. On Tuesday, wherever you guys get your podcasts. So iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. And any other podcast hosting service that you might use. So check us out, Book of Lies Podcast. Again, I am Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Flakes. We host Book of Lies, the the podcast. podcast. The Roots of the Science Podcast with your girl and with an everyone. My name is Anne Chisa. That is Anne with an E. I am the founder and the host of the Roots of the Science podcast. So quickly, a bit about myself. I'm from Malawi, but currently living and studying in South Africa. I have recently completed my master's in agriculture science and later on hoping to pursue my PhD. Now, the purpose of these podcasts is that I want to highlight Africans who are in the the STEM field globally, 
STEM being science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So I want to give them the opportunity to tell their stories about their research or projects. In the process, I want I want this to be an opportunity to bring science into mainstream media so that pe- people can be interested about the research that these scientists are making or the projects that they're doing that is involved in the STEM field. Also, I want people to be inspired I want people to learn. So what you can expect in these podcast series is that you're going to hear people um, talk about their research, but we're also going to dive deeper than just telling me about your research. I want to find out about your journey into the science, the root of the science, what actually got you into the science, what are some of the influences. We're also going to talk about some of their passions outside of science because I want this to be an opportunity to to reinforce the idea that as a scientist you can be more than what you are working um, on. We're also going to talk about some of the hard topics, mental health, dealing with failures and how they overcome that. So as you listen to these podcasts episodes, I want you to first see how diverse the STEM field is. I want you to see that it's not just so linear. There's so many opportunities in STEM. But also, I hope that in what in any of my guests, you get to identify yourself with one of these people. So you'll definitely enjoy these series. And I hope you will be inspired, like I said, and you'll learn a lot. We hope you guys enjoyed those promos. And if you guys are interested in learning more about any of these podcasts or any of the future podcasts that we um, that we feature on this show, you can check them out on our website, www.crittercastpodcast.com. Um, you can find all of our episodes. You can find all the resources and references, not just for all of our lovely animal-themed facts, but also just for the fellow podcasters that we choose to support. That is going to be it for today's episode. We appreciate you and love you so much. All of our CritterCast listeners, we know that you are amazing people because you, like us, are taking this time to amplify all of those voices of colors out there and doing what you can in an otherwise very insane world. (laughs) See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile. This is the Critter Cast Podcast.